you're here this morning. I want to just take our Bible to find John's Gospel this morning. John's Gospel, find that place in your Bible this morning. If you need a Bible, raise your hand. We'll try and get you a Bible. We have English and Spanish Bibles. You need a Bible, Professor Horry? Spanish or English? English. English. Two, please. Two or one? Two. I'm sorry, two English, one Spanish. Sorry, gentlemen. Praise the Lord. At the Santa Biblia? Hey, I got your Bible. It's going to be here this week, brother. Pedro. It's on deliveries. UPS, uh, have it Wednesday, Lord willing. By the way, if, you always, if you're interested in purchasing a Bible, I encourage you to have your own Bible. It's good to have a Bible. And the church can order one for you and uh, get that for you. We want your name on it. We'll get your name on there. And uh, it's, you'll not go wrong having a Bible. All right, John's Gospel, we are, uh, want us to look at some things from Scripture, from John's Gospel. We've learned a lot so far, and there's much more to learn. So before we go any further, uh, let's pray. We'll ask God to help us and, uh, and speak to our hearts uh, and help the church today. Father, thank you for the Word of God. Thank you we can be here. Thank you for the songs that have been sung. Thank you, Lord, we have the, uh, a warm place to gather, a comfortable place to gather and meet and fellowship, a safe place as well. I pray, Lord, the Spirit of God work and move today in our hearts. We would uh, listen to what you have to say. Some of these things, Lord, may be old for some of us, but, Lord, there's certainly some new things we can learn. And the Word of God, Lord, never does get old. Its truths are timeless, and there is no bottom to them. So help us today as we dip into the waters that will come up refreshed, challenged, encouraged, and strengthened that we may live for you. Bless this time, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, in John's Gospel, we've kind of gone through this book for quite some time, and we've been not going verse by verse, or we've not, and we have not been going chapter by chapter. We have been looking at the sevens that are in the book of John, the sevens. For instance, some time ago, we looked at the seven miracles. There's only seven miracles recorded in John's Gospel. Now, again, Jesus did thousands of miracles, and there's many more recorded, but John only records seven of them. We looked at the seven times Jesus Christ uttered the phrase, I am, and seven I ams, I am the bread of life, I am the, uh, the light of the world, and so on and so forth. We looked at those seven things right there. Last Sunday morning, we looked at seven witnesses, the seven people in Scripture who made a public profession and a public proclamation of their witness of Christ, who they believed Christ to be, and a saving acknowledgement of who Christ was. And what we want to do today, and we're not going to finish by any stretch of the imagination. Last week I gave you those seven very quickly, and we're going to mention some of them again, but I want us to look at the seven women that are mentioned in the Bible, in John's Gospel, the seven conversations that Jesus Christ had, particularly with women in the Bible. And they are fascinating when we look at them. Now, I'm not going to do them in order, uh, but I am going to really, the one today we're going to look at is really is number two uh, in the conversation list. But I want us to look at the seven times the Lord has a 
face-to-face confrontation with a lady. And again, uh, why God did this, I, have, I, I, I ask, now, Lord, you put that there for a reason. That's, that's, you're trying to tell us something. Now, why is this? What is it that we can learn from this? And why did you tell us about these seven ladies? And what is it that we can learn from them? And all these ladies, by the way, every single one is different from the others. They come from various walks of life and different backgrounds, and they all have different issues. And uh, just a lot going on with these people in their lives. And today we want to start with chapter number four. And again, I mentioned last Sunday morning, if you remember, and I'm sure you do, because you all have minds that are like steel traps. Amen? That uh, I said I can preach on this story every Sunday if I thought you would show up and Jesus would let me. Well, Jesus is letting me do it today, and you didn't know what I was doing, so that's why you're here. And I promise we'll try not to do this next week. But again, there are several stories in the Gospels that are my favorite stories of our Lord in dealing with people. And one of those is the, 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 uh, the demoniac of the Gadareans. I, I love that story. I, I find that so fascinating and, and, and how Christ dealt with that dear man. And another one of my favorite episodes is the woman at the well. I, I find this one fascinating. And, I, and I, again, either story, you have the, 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 the complete extremes of, of, of people in, 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 in bad conditions, and you find the mighty Christ. I, I, I can never get over of, of God's saving power and God's saving grace to reach sinners. And, uh, and this dear woman... Fascinating. Now, again, we've gone through this a lot, and I'm not going to try to go through the same truths. I'm going to try and bring out some different things, and, and we'll avoid some of the, the more popular parts of this passage that we've looked at before and, and try to concentrate on other portions that we have not that will help us. Again, this story we find in, in, in chapter number 4 is an encounter uh, with this woman. And uh, in chapter number 3... Uh, of you find the story of, of the Lord having a conversation with Nicodemus. Now, Nicodemus is a ruler. He's a Pharisee. He's a religious man. He's a moral man. Uh, he is a respected man in the community. And he comes to the Lord Jesus Christ, and he does it at night because he doesn't want to be seen talking to Jesus. And there he has this uh, conversation. And most of this conversation, by the way, is all the Lord. And when the conversation ends, we really don't know what happens to Nicodemus. It just kind of goes on to something else. And we don't know, did Nicodemus get converted there or what happened? It just kind of leaves us hanging. And we know from most of the Scripture that Nicodemus did become a believer. And Nicodemus is mentioned in other places in the Scriptures. And as we compare the two, when we compare chapter 3 and chapter 4, chapter 3 gives us Nicodemus. Chapter number 4 gives us the woman at the well. We see that in in chapter 3 we have a a man who is Jewish. In chapter 4 we have one who is a Samaritan. Uh, We have one who is a respected ruler and the other is a social outcast. We see one who is a very moral man and the other is a very immoral woman. The one came to Jesus by night and, and the other, well, Jesus came to her in the middle of the day. The one had no arguments, only wondering how things could be. And we see with the woman, we see that she was full of questions and she was was willing to debate him. 
here at this time. We see the one was very cautious, and then we see her being very bold. The one did not seem to know what he wanted, and the other one only all too well knew what she wanted. The one fades out of the story unnoticed, and the other went back to her crowd and brought them to Jesus Christ. The one we hear about again in chapter 7 and in chapter number 19, and the other fades, this woman fades into invisibility, almost into patriarchal society. And so there are these two contrasts between these two people here. And again, one is not better than the other, and, and one really at the end of the day, they're both lost and in need of saving. But it's fascinating to always study how Jesus Christ dealt with the individual. And, and, and again, ministry, my friend, is the individual ministry. Now, Christ fed 5,000. He, he, he preached to the multitudes, but his ministry was the individual ministry. And my friend, your life and my life is about the individual, the ones that we come in contact with. Maybe it's that elevator episode. Maybe it's the workplace episode. But it's always about dealing with the individual. And as we see here in these verses, and, I, and again, I, I, I want to frame this in case you're not familiar. We need to... And we really need to understand this if we're going to appreciate what, what happens in this chapter. There's a simple request in this chapter. The Lord Jesus Christ walks up to the woman who sit at the well, and he says, give me to drink, in verse number 7. Give me to drink. Now, we know that this is a Samaritan woman. We know that Samaritans uh, are part of the northern part of Israel. They are not liked because of their history. They are, uh, uh, many of them, mixed heritage, Gentile blood, and Jewish blood. There's a lot of hatred and animosity that goes, behind, that goes back centuries between the Jews of the southern kingdom and the Jews of the northern kingdom. Remember, the country had a civil war, so these two people ended up hating each other. The southern kingdom is where Jerusalem was, and they, always, they had good kings. The northern was always bad kings and just bad things going on there, but there were saved people there, as we understand salvation. But they... They were idolatrous people, and so the people of the South always looked upon the Northerners as, you know, they're, 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 they're half-breeds, they're, they're not good people, they're idol worshipers, and they, they really had this hatred. And, of course, when somebody hates you like that, what's your reaction? Well, you hate them back, and so there's this hatred, and even though they're both Jewish, they, they hate each other, and they despise each other. And, and, and so the word Samaritan to a Jewish person is like, ew. We don't want them around. We don't need them in our area. We don't want them moving into the neighborhood. When he asked this woman, give me to drink, this really, and you have to understand the culture of what's going on. And, I, and I'm going to, I'm not trying to downplay, I'm not, I'm trying to, I'm really trying to drive a point home because it's important to drive this point home if we're going to understand really what's taking place. And the powerful impact of this chapter, if we can just put ourselves in the cultural mindset and understand just exactly what Jesus did. To us, we read this, we think, ah, this is just a normal, you walk, because we can walk up to anybody and talk to anybody. But that's not how it was. It's not how it was back then. It was a whole different ball game, and Christ is breaking down the cultural barriers. He's breaking down the stereotypes. He's eliminating the things that, that prevent men from fellowshipping with or talking to other men. 
Men generally at this time in history did not speak with women in public. It was kind of frowned upon. And, uh, and, and in many cases, in, in, in strict Jew, Jewish cultures, men would not even talk to their wives in public. There are places in this world where this mentality still goes on. You go to a lot of Muslim cultures, you see this, where the, basically the women are wrapped up and not even seen, they can't be talked to, and they're, they're just, it's, they're secondhand citizens. And it's, and it's the same way almost what we're seeing here, where women are of this type, they can be secondhand citizens. And, uh, and, and this woman in particular, being a very immoral woman, because she's uh, been married five times, she's divorced five times, and now she's living with a man who's not her husband. And that was frowned upon back then. And, and so this is, a, this is a woman that in these days and times, if you knew who she was, you definitely would not talk to her in public. Now, obviously, some men were talking to her. She had five husbands. She's with some guy now. So there were guys coming around. And she's out there, the Bible says, the sixth hour of the day, which is 12 o'clock noon. And she's out there by herself because, again, she's an outcast in her town. The other women don't want anything to do with her because they don't like her because of her lifestyle and, and, and who she is. And so uh, you go to get water in the early morning hours before it's really hot out because you have to travel outside the city and go down to the well. And you put wells. You think you'd put the city where the well is, amen. But they, it's this way even. you go. We were in Africa. They, we, they, a friend of mine, uh, Lee Weaver, his, he digs wells in Africa. He's a Pennsylvania farmer, but he, he's got into the ministry of digging wells in Africa. And you have to build the well where the water is. It's funny how that works. That's, you, you can learn something genius there, right there. And so you can have the town here, but the well's over here. And you'll see people traveling. They do it in the early morning hours. This way they're not getting burned by the heat of the day. But this woman's out there at the heat of the day because she has to, she's not allowed to go down with the rest of the women. The women don't want her. And so she's down there by herself, gathering water. Again, so there's a lot going on. She's a Samaritan. She's an outcast. She's a woman. All these things are going against her in the cultural setting of the day. But I also want you to pay close attention in your Bible when you read something. Maybe you never noticed this before, but the lengthiest conversation and the longest story of a one-on-one -on -one conversation in John's gospel takes place in this chapter. God Almighty in his wisdom said, I want you to see something here. I want you to see that chapter 4 is my lengthiest conversation I'm going to record with anybody, male or female. I think that's very significant. I think God is trying to tell us something here. Why did God record such a lengthy conversation for us with this woman whom the world in her day and time despised? First of all, because of by her birth being a woman. Second, because of her birthplace, a Samaritan. And third, by her choices in life, which led her to be an outcast of her sinful decisions, which society hated. She's a woman with three strikes against her. And, uh, and probably... If we were to know this woman and to look at her life, uh, when we make a bad decision in life, more often than not, 
it tends for us to make another bad decision because we end up getting a bad self-image of ourself and we end up thinking ourself to be worth less than how God views us. We tend to think, you know, I, I, I keep messing up and I'm really, a, can I use the phrase, you may think, you know, I'm just a loser. I'm just an, an abject loser. I'm, I'm pathetic. My life is, is my, my, I'm a, there's something wrong with me. And I keep messing up this way. And so when we have that mentality, instead of going up in life and getting better, we, uh, human nature is to, well, this is, this is it. I'll, I'll just go keep going down. Because this is, this is my lot in life. But that's not God's view. That's not God's opinion. That's not what God does. He said, I must needs go through Samaria. Because I want to teach you boys a lesson. And I also want to help some people who are really struggling with some things. And I want to show you just how mighty my grace is and what God came to do and what his purpose was. And so he comes here and he's going to shatter all those barriers, every barrier that men have put up. And these are all man-made barriers. You can't talk to her because she's a woman. You can't talk to her in public because she's a woman. You can't talk to her because she's a Samaritan. And you can't talk to her because she's a sinful woman. And so Christ comes and he just basically kicks, I'd do a better kick, but my knee kills me right now. Okay, this knee's better. And so he kicks down all the barriers. These are man-made barriers. These are not God's barriers. God didn't do these things. Man put those there. Satan put those there. These are all ridiculous things. Now, of course, a man has to be careful sometimes in life. And we saw Joseph in Scripture, how he was falsely accused. There is common sense with things. And, and, and how to deal with situations. But I think talking to a woman at a well in public places is, is not something where somebody's going to accuse you. And if they do, they got issues in life. I've had some, listen, we had some strange people walk through these doors. Nobody's strange here today. You're all normal. All right, just so you know. She's talking to me. She's talking. No, you're all normal. But I've had some really weirdos come through this place. And when I mean weirdos, I mean by men whom I've known. You just, just a few minutes around them. And, uh, and, and, and your, your Bible sense, I would say spider sense, but that's not spiritual. But your, your Bible sense goes off that this guy's got issues. This guy's got issues. I, won't go, I don't like to shake hands with women. Why? That's very sensual. You got problems. You got problems. You got issues, man. You got issues. And we've had guys come to this church I know have issues. And usually, um, that's what I'm, as pastor, I got the eye at him. I want that guy watching that guy all the time. We've had people come here and say, I'm sorry, you can't come back here anymore. Because they've committed crimes that, I'm sorry, you can't come back here no more. We're, we have children, we're protecting children. You should have thought about that before you committed your crime. I'm sorry, you have to go. And go somewhere else or watch on the internet, but you can't come in our building. You forsook that fellowship when you decided to be uh, sinful in those actions. Say, what would Jesus do? Again, they can get saved, but again, I'm protecting children here. I'm protecting people here. And they're uh, what we're trying to do here. So again, all these taboos. And when he walks up to this woman and he says, give me to drink, I want you to understand in Jewish culture, she's a Gentile and she's got this pot in her hand, this, this vessel that she lowers down into the well. And by man's cultural standards, that vessel is a ceremonially 
unclean vessel. You can't drink from that vessel because a sinful woman touches that vessel. But what does Jesus do? Give me your vessel so that I may drink. And even in today's strict Jewish culture, they separate things. You know, this, this bowl only contains this type of food, and this bowl only contains this type of food. We've had uh, women who work for, uh, or housekeepers for some very strict Jews, and one day she mixed up the bowls, and the guy flipped out, and he threw every bowl in the house out, and then went down to Target and bought brand new bowls because he didn't want to mix up the ceremonial bowls and what goes in what. I said, well, where does he live? I don't want to go to the garbage and pick up his Tupperware, amen. <laughs> Still good, Amen. That's how I roll, amen. I was in Burger King one time, and the girl dropped the Whopper on the floor. It was in the wrapper. She picked it up right away and threw it in the garbage. I said, what, what was that all about? I can't, I said, I can't uh, serve that. I said, why not? She said, it hit the ground. That's the five-second rule. <laughs> Still in the wrapper. I said, can I have it? Brother, <laughs> really get an amen. <laughs> and she's like, no, I can't give it to you. Why not? She goes, it's in the garbage. I said, can I have the garbage can? <laughs> hey, hey, $2 for a Whopper and I was broke. Okay, so I just, I'm a Baptist preacher. Okay, just be, be patient with me. And so, but anyway, that's the only time I would do something like that. I'm not crawling in the dumpster back there. And by the way, it's Burger King and it's, it's really not the, anyhow. But as we see here, this vessel's unclean. The vessel's not right. But the Lord, again, touches that vessel, again, showing us something here. You don't get hung up on these things. This is what man comes up with. These are men's rules. And so she's taken back by this, and we see her reaction, and she, and she says to him in verse number 9, How is it that thou, being a Jew, askest drink of me, which am a woman of Samaria, for the Jews have no dealings with Samaritans? Again, she's very confrontational, and she's really asking, How is it you... you you're a Jewish man and you really want to, first of all, touch this vessel? You want to drink from this vessel that I drink from? And you actually are dealing with me? You're a Jewish man and, and here I am a Samaritan and you actually want to communicate with me? Yes. That's why I'm here. That's why I'm here to talk to you. And so again, it's, it's important to understand that concept of all these things. And uh, because the Jews, again, would have no dealings with Samaritans. And again, it's even more astounding that he, his willingness to really defile himself by drinking from her water. And that's what that word means. The word translated dealings in verse, we see in that verse, it, it, it means to, to use the same utensil. To use the same utensil. I know people are, everybody's germaphobe, but listen, when we were kids, we would pass a soda bottle. We would go down to AMP, we would buy a roasted chicken and, one, and a two liter bottle of soda, and we'd sit in the Catholic church grounds up in a tree we had. Was, we called it the family tree. We, it had all these branches. We'd all sit up there in the tree and we'd tear this chicken apart and we'd pretend like we were living 200 years ago in the, in the, in the, in the Rocky Mountains eating a chicken that we just cooked on an open fire. Actually, it was roasted from A.M.P. But, and, and we passed a soda bottle around to each other and drink from it. <laughs> and every now and then some bash wash would come in and a piece of chicken would end up in the bottle, but we drank it all anyway. By the way, you've never done that. That's why you get sick in life, amen? That's, why, that's your problem in life. <laughs> poor, poor Michelle's ready to die back there. But listen, if you haven't drank from a hose, 
and put your mouth on it with all your other friends. And this is why you need to do that. That, that gives you an immune system that looks like Hulk Hogan and Rambo combined. Amen. So when a germ comes along, it crushes it. I drank backwash. Amen. You ain't killing me. And so we had no trouble. Today you do that. <laughs> Give me that. <laughs> now, I don't do that anymore, per se, but, you know, even with my kids, they, I drank from them. I gave you a life for Pete's sakes. Now, Jesus here is talking, and again, he wants us to understand, no matter what Jesus touches, he always made it better. For sake of time, we don't have time, but uh, whatever he touched... If he touched a dead person, what happened when he touched a dead person? They came alive. When he touched a leper, what happened to an unclean leper? They were made whole. When he touched somebody that was blind, what happened? They were made to see. When a woman who is suffering from a, a bleeding issue walks up and merely touches the, the hem of his garment... She's made whole. Everything Jesus touches is made better. So this idea that somehow uh, you're going to touch this vessel? Lady, I want to touch your life and and you'll be amazed what I can do with your life if if you just let me. Forget about the the vessel. The vessel is of no significance, woman. It really isn't. And if you knew who I was, you would ask me for living water. Verses 13 through 26 is a great conversation that takes place. And and Christ is dealing with her soul in his conversation. And three times in this chapter, he reveals himself to her. In verses 13 through 14, again, we're not going to take time. He reveals himself as living water. In verses 16 through 19, we see him here as the the prophet. In verses uh, uh, 24 through 26, he is revealed as the Messiah. And he does something here that we never see Christ do before. Is there's three times he reveals himself to an individual. People ask him, well, are you the Messiah? And he never really gives them an answer. You ever wonder why he does that sometimes in the Bible? But here we have, again, this lengthy conversation with this very immoral Samaritan woman. And and, and, and one of the seven conversations he has with a a, a lady in, in John's Gospel... And three times he reveals himself to her in three different aspects. Which when it's all said and done, she gets, she's convinced that this is the Messiah and she gets happy. We jump to verse number 27 and it says, And, 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 and upon this came his disciples and marveled that he talked with the woman, yet no man said, why seek, What seekest thou or why talkest thou with her? The disciples were amazed to see Jesus had been speaking with a woman. Again, this is something you don't normally see. Men don't normally do this. It really was a shocking breach of societal norms. And as we've noticed earlier, again, in in the rabbinical sense, the rabbis of the day, that to, and I say this in the cultural setting of the day, for they had the, a rabbi thought if he could talk to a woman, he was wasting his time. I'm wasting, you're a woman. That was the mindset. By the way, it's not God's mindset. It's not God. It's not Bible. You don't find that in the Bible, but you find it in men's mindsets. You find it in in how men to talk down 
And, and it, so the, the rabbis, we don't talk to women. They're women. We don't. So here's this rabbi. Remember, he's rabbi because what did Nicodemus call him? And what's this rabbi doing? Talking to a woman because she's got worth. She has value. She's important to Almighty God. And so again, he's talking to her. And the Samaritan, the fact that she was a Samaritan made the Lord's action even more astonishing. You're not only talking to a woman, you're talking to a Samaritan woman. And imagine if these guys knew just who she was and just what type of life she was living. My soul, they would have had, a, they would, they would have had a, uh, an aneurysm. My soul, what's he doing? doing? And again, the Lord in your Bible always kicks down the things men do and says, this is, no, you, 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 guys, you guys missed it. You, you, you're messing up here. And of all people, why would he choose to reveal Messiahship to her? Like, why not? Who else, who more needs a Messiah than this person? The outcast and what we would term the low life of society. Isn't that not who Christ came to save? Is that not who he is dealing with here? You know, we in America today, we, we, we don't have these issues per se. Women have, we've come a long ways. Women have the right to vote. They can run for office. Women hold this. Women hold, women hold all kinds of positions. And I, sometimes you're, we've got a long way to go. It's like, what, 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 you, you run for president. What more do you want? I don't know. You do everything. So I, I realize that women don't get paid the same as men in some things. And, and my, mom, my mom was not a feminist. My mom was not. She hated the feminist movement. But she was, I would agree with them on some things. I'm like, what do you agree with the feminist on? I was a kid. What do you, well, I'm curious. What do you? She says, well, if a, if a woman does the same job as a man, she could she paid the same money. I agree with that. I agree with that. But a lot of times in society, women don't because their job doesn't pay. That's how it works. I'm sorry if you're going to play basketball for the WNBA, you're not going to get the same, paid the same as a man's because your league makes no money. <laughs> Nobody watches those things. And ladies, if you get mad about that, don't get mad unless you go to the games. Right? Go to the games and support them then. Same thing with the soccer girls don't get paid as much as the men because nobody goes. There's 100 fans there, and it's the parents and the siblings. Nobody goes. I'm sorry. Don't get mad at me. I'm just letting you know facts. That's how it is. These guys get paid more because they got 40,000 people in the stands. Over here, it's, it's like Daffy Duck. It's tumbleweeds and crickets over here. And so they don't get paid as much. But if you job and you're working on a computer or whatever the case may be and you're doing equal, you should get paid the same amount as money. I, I, I think that's wrong. And I think we've made great strides in that. But that's not my field. That's not what I do for a living. My job is preaching the gospel. So women in America have made great strides. So we have no trouble dealing with all types of people. But let's take it to another level. What, what, what do we have in our society that may restrict us or... You know, we, we see the girl or guy or sometimes we don't even know what it is anymore. What is that? I was in the doctor's office with my father one time. My father was half, my father was deaf and he was old. And we're sitting there in the doctor's with me and him and on the wall was, was, was three people. Two ladies and, we don't, and I don't know. And I'm sitting there 
my father leans over, I go, oh no. Oh no. And he whispers to me like this. Is that a guy or a girl? I'm like, shut up. <laughs> Just be quiet. <laughs> and I'm like, I don't, I don't know what it is. but <laughs> it's, it's whatever, Dad. Just leave it alone. But you know what it is? It's somebody who needs the gospel. It's somebody who needs Jesus Christ. So in today's world, we may meet one of these dear people who's got seven colors in their hair. They're non-binary and identify as seven genders, and they're a two-spirit animal. Well, what do you do with that person? You sit down. How you doing? And you begin a conversation. And they'll be anger. They may be angry like this woman. They may approach you like this woman. And, and, and what are you doing talking to me? I thought you Baptists. No, we're, no you've got a misunderstanding. We, we Baptists or we Christians don't hate anybody. We don't, we're not against anybody. We, we like all people. We, 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 we believe in all people. Just because we may dress differently and act differently doesn't mean we think we're better. We just have experienced the grace of God and God's been good to us and we just want to share that grace with you. Somebody say, come on, come back. Yeah. Sometimes people come looking for an argument in church. And it's like, I'm going to wear this just to aggravate the pastor. As long as you got clothes on, you're really not going to aggravate me. You're really not. I don't, you know, I don't care what you wear. I'm going to wear this. This is how I wear. This is my uniform. This is what I do on Sunday. And, uh, but you know, I'm going to wear this. I don't, I, it's all right. It's all good. It's all good. It's all good. And and that people have come to church purposely, just trying to be provocative, or I'm going to show these Baptists. And, Folks, don't. It's all right. It's all right. They just need Christ. Right. We love them, we care for them, and, and make them feel welcome in the building. And let them know they're, no, they, you know, because we were all whacked out at one point in time, were we not? I can look back at my high school, again, I was never too crazy back in my day, but you looked at me back as a teenager, I think it's a nut job. Got my dunkery jacket, rock and roll buttons, crazy hair, and running around, got rock and roll painting on the back of my jacket, and, and, and you know, I told you a story. The nurse in the hospital called said I looked like an idiot, and uh, so, <laughs> and I did. But I was a 16-year-old at the time, whom God was working on. And my friend, this dear woman we see here. Again, I have a lot to say. We see in verse number 28. And again, the, the disciples are upset that he's talking with her. And uh, the woman left her water pot in in, in verse 28. What? Was the beginning of the conversation was the water pot. Now she's leaving it. It kind of reminds me of those disciples. When Christ said, follow me, what did they leave? They left their nets. They left their boats. They left their livelihood to follow Christ. This woman gets saved. She's a Christian now. Somewhere in this chapter, it comes to full realization and she believes upon the Messiah. She trusts Christ as her Savior. And this sinful woman, the world considers uh, to be an outcast and, and, and a dreg of society, runs back into the city and leaves what she came out to the city with, was her water pot. And what we learn from this woman... Well, we learn this, this woman again, Jesus crosses both the social and the religious barriers in life. And again, in life, we've got to deal with all types of people, all kinds of people. You know, there was a Hindu parade came up Bergen Avenue. They haven't had one since COVID, but there's a Hindu temple down the bottom of the hill. 
and they had a parade coming up. They're going down to the river and to dump some things. And some of the, you know more about those ceremonies than I do. But as I was sitting on the wall watching them go by, they came over and they handed me, a, I think, a, it was a banana and a bag of peanuts. Now, I didn't stand up and, bless God, take your idol-worshiping food out of here. I took it and handed them a gospel track. And, right. and then I came inside the church and I ate their peanuts and ate the banana. <laughs> you say, why? Well, because the Bible says, you know, even if it's sacrificed to an idol, we know an idol is nothing in this world. So I ate the peanuts and ate a banana. It was a pretty good meal and uh, had a good time of it. But I gave them the gospel. I'm not going to hate them, people, because they are a different religion. They need Christ. They need Christ. We got two mosques in town, two of them. What about them, people? They need Christ. We sometimes have to cross these social barriers. We have to cross religious barriers. Who are we going to reach? Just the Christian people? Just the people under the umbrella of Christianity? Or are we going to reach everybody in this town? Amen. Knocked on a door. Saw a Nazi symbol on a door. I'm like, what in the world we got behind this door? Well, really, it's a Hindu symbol. I think it's reversed, but it's like... And I said, oh, it's a, the guy came to the door. He's a Hindu. I said, oh, he's a Hindu. So did some research later on, found that's more of a, a symbol for Hinduism and things that go on behind it, but it looks very similar to the Nazi symbol. We talked to him about Christ, share Christ with him. And we, we want to deal with people, cross these social barriers, cross religious barriers. Again, Jesus, the first person in John's gospel to whom Jesus Christ clearly revealed himself, who, who, uh, who acted on that recognition, was a Samaritan woman. That's significant. The first person. We don't have that with Nicodemus. We don't know what happens to Nicodemus till later on. God doesn't let us know. We have the miracle in chapter number two, but there's no conversions there. Chapter number one is John's testimony, and we see the disciples being called. But this is the first real conversation down and one-on-one, -on -one, and God does this for a purpose. And letting us know something here. She is of a minority group. And again, everybody's been a minority at one point in time in their life. Everybody has. And so uh, we need to reach everybody with the gospel. I had a guy years ago, a Scottish preacher in town, who was Presbyterian. And he asked me, he said, Matt, what's your, what's your main focus of outreach in the town? Now, sometimes when people ask me a question that I don't understand, I try to act intelligent while my brain tries to figure out what they're talking about. And so I'm standing, what's my main focus of outreach in the town? I'm like, and finally, what, what does that mean? He said, well, we're a Presbyterian church, and we try to reach the Scottish people in town. Ah, who are you trying to reach? And listen, I'm just, I'm just an idiot. And so I just said, I'm just trying to reach sinners. <laughs> you know, he turned around and walked away from me. <laughs> At the end of the conversation, he just walked away. Because I don't know. You Polish? No. Sorry. Yeah. Even if they were Polish, you know, no, it's, I'm of the persuasion that if you're breathing, you're a candidate for the gospel. Amen. That's, that's who we're trying to reach here. We don't care who you are. Again, in, in, in John's gospel, as John reveals these things, 
He does not require her to cease being a woman. He does not require her to cease being a Samaritan. But he viewed her primarily as what? A person. A person. And my friend, all people need to be reviewed and as, as a person. That's who we're dealing with. That's who we're trying to reach, people. And Christ in this conversation, we see him, she goes back into the town and, she, and we see her witness and what she does into that town. Again, there's a lot in this chapter. It's a very lengthy chapter. And in verse number 39, he says, And many of the Samaritans of the city believed on him for the saying of the woman which testified, He told me all that I ever did. <laughs> now she's exaggerating, by the way. He didn't tell her everything she ever did, but she got enough revealed that she knew that she was dealing with somebody special. My friend, you don't think God knows you? You don't think God knows your heart? You don't think God knows what you're guilty of? I mean, we hide it all from each other. We don't know each other's hidden secrets, and we don't want to know each other's hidden secrets. I think one of the, you know, the worst thing, worst superpower a person can ever have, there's no such thing, but if you, is to read minds. We don't, man, we all, we all hate each other. And we all be appalled at each other. Because, my friend, you know what your heart reveals? What does God say about your heart? It's deceitful and desperately wicked. I don't care who you are. We've all had desperately wicked thoughts. It's part of our human nature. And it's just part of our enemy's attack upon us. And by the way, the more godly you try to live, the more wicked your thought will, will come at you. It's a battle, my friend. Amen. The Bible does tell us so that. <laughs> Even is with the ukulele. Now, <laughs> God bless Brianna and that ukulele. Amen. I love it. And uh, just need some palm trees down there. We'd be <laughs> Serve some pineapple juice. People on the internet don't understand there's a ukulele being played in the basement. Now, so when the Samaritans, verse 40, were come unto him, they besought him that he would tarry with them, and he abode there two days. Listen, my friend, there are many other Jewish villages would kick Jesus out. Here's a Samaritan city, and they, and they say, Jesus, would you stay here? And Jesus stayed two days in that city and preached with them. And wouldn't you like to have been in Samaria with Jesus? And wouldn't you have liked to hang around that dear woman and see what was going on in her life and what she was saying and, and the change that took place in that city? Why? Because Jesus Christ thought it was necessary to have a conversation with a woman who for all intents and purposes was a three-time outcast. She was a woman, she was a Samaritan, and she was really sinful. But that, my friend, is the one Christ came for. The ones who have real issues and know they got real issues. And my friend, if you don't realize you have issues, then my friend, you can't be helped. God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. And this dear woman was humbled enough that she came to faith in Christ and told an entire city, verse number 29, Come see a man which told me all things ever I did. Is not this the Christ? And they all, an entire city went out to meet her, meet Christ. And I said last Sunday, those 12 disciples went into the city. And how many Samaritans did the disciples tell that Jesus was out at the well? How many? Apparently none. 
They were only worried about getting their sandwiches, and they never told one single person that the Messiah, the King of Israel, the Savior of the world, is just a few hundred yards outside the city gates. They never told anybody. But here, my friend, this outcast, this reject, this woman, is one of the great evangelists of the Bible. Ladies, you know, you can be an evangelist. You can be a witness. You can share Christ. You can do something for the gospel of God. I don't think we have trouble understanding that here in this church. I don't think we have to understand it in our society. But again, we see what God is doing here. God's like, who's the greatest evangelist in John's gospel? This woman. This woman. Because she experienced grace and mercy. And by the way, the more grace you receive, the more thankful you should be. And the more you want to do for Christ. The more you get, you should be willing to give more for Christ. And so who is the first woman? Well, the first woman would be his Mary in John chapter number 2. But the second one we started with today, we'll get to Mary later on. But I wanted wanted to stress this story because I love this story. And I want us to see again that everybody has a place. Everybody has value. Everybody has importance in God's economy. And everybody can be used in God's kingdom. Nobody is exempt from it. And by the way, don't ever look at somebody and be intimidated to witness to them. Because usually the scarier looking they are, the the more open they may be. (laughs) I told you, Evan told me years ago, he goes, Dad, why is it that the guy who's scary looking listens to the gospel and the people who look nice don't want to listen? He was like eight years old. I said, "I, I, I don't know, son. It just seems to be that way. And so I always look for the scary people. <laughs> that's, the ones, that's the ones I go, even though I'm scared to walk up to them, but I, that's the ones I go after. And uh, there's a gang of teenagers that look really rough and mean. <sighs> Help me, Jesus, here I go. And then just jump in and, and hey, boys, how are we doing today? And, and we've had cops pull up and cops looking at me and handing out gospel tracts, talking to them. And, and listen, they all listen. It's amazing what you do when you just jump in that crowd and start sharing Christ with people. You never know what God's going to do. So again, one bad woman. Again, a woman, a Samaritan, and a wicked woman. Three strikes, but she wasn't out with Almighty God. There's an appointment at a well. Boys, we got an appointment. We're going to do something. My friend, we all got appointments. God gives us. Let's use them. Let's stand together for prayer. Well, Father in heaven, we do thank you for your goodness and mercy. We thank you, Lord, for salvation in Christ. We thank you that, again, this dear woman, Lord, I can't wait to get to heaven and meet her. And uh, no, she brought an entire town to Jesus Christ. The entire village was changed because, Lord, you came to save sinners. And Lord, uh, thank you for saving my soul. Thank you for the lives who have been changed by your touch here in this building and those who listen. May we be willing to share it to all men and all people. And never think ourselves better than anybody. Never to think ourselves above anybody. 
never to look down upon anybody because of who they were, are or where they come from. And Lord, we just help 